Oh, here he is. Hello, hello. Last to the party. Am I last? First to the food bar. (laughs) (laughs) He'd pull a chair up to a buffet. Good evening, John. Good evening, Dan. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm very well. Lovely to uh, meet you. Yes, you too. Uh, It's very strange uh, meeting someone for the first time whose podcast I've listened to. Because I feel like I know you because of your voice, Dan. I'll, do you mean to put on a different voice? No, no, yeah. I love your voice. French. Oh. French, please. <laughs> if you can do the French. entire podcast in French. Uh, bien sûr, uh, je peux parler un peu oh, français. damn, you can. A little. Hang on, you're, break, you're breaking up there. <laughs> I only speak a little French. It's not a not an impressive uh, feat. Um, welcome to North v South, the podcast that is and isn't about design. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm John Elliman, and uh, I've got Rob Turpin, and a special guest is Dan Berry. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and uh, we are uh, on episode 83, I think. Congratulations on your many successes. Thank, Thank you. you for, uh, all three of them. Well, all eight, 82, I guess. Well, we'll wait I mean, till the end of this one before I congratulate you on it. I don't know. Do we count them all as successes? <laughs> You're looking down uh, your nose at us from a lofty height of how many episodes? I think I've uh, just po- recorded 153rd one just yesterday. Amazing. So, we're catching up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I took a little time off, so you, you're going to be um, catching up quick, I think. How are we all this evening? Has everyone has everyone got a drink? We normally have a drink, uh, Dan. I have a drink. Yeah? Yeah. What, have you, what are you a, drinking? Um, uh, a Four Pure Brewery Company Pills Lager and the Four Pure... Brewery Company Session IPA. Lining them up. I like, I like, I like your style. Thank you. Yeah, John? Uh, it's, what I, it's what I do best. <laughs> uh, I'm going to beer in the house, so I've got a glass of uh, wan, red wine, oh. which will go with my pie a bit later on. Excellent news. I'm on a, a little teaser for later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm on the gin and tonics. Gin and tonics. Mm. Are you wearing a safari suit? Of course. <laughs> Standard attire for the podcast. Monkey 47 gin, brewed in, uh, distilled in the Black Forest. Marvellous stuff. Oh. By monkeys. Yes. See, that's, monkeys. If, you, if you leave um, uh, a load of monkeys in a room with a gin still uh, over a million years, they'll write uh, the infinite, books infinite of Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. Gin. yeah. They'll turn into, one of them will become William Hogarth. The end. So, uh, yes. So Dan Berry is, uh, if you don't know who he is, he is the excellent podcaster who makes uh, Make It Then Tell Everybody. If you haven't listened to that podcast, I have to say it is, this was the first one I listened to that completely blew me away and got me totally addicted to podcasts. Um, Good gosh. It, it is fantastic podcast. I will admit I haven't listened to it for a couple of years. Um, I'll be honest with you, you haven't really had the opportunity to listen to it for <laughs> the last year. Um, I've only recently jumped back in. Uh, right. I've had a uh, incredibly busy life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as, as you guys know, uh, trying to schedule and coordinate and be uh, witty and uh, verbose um, very frequently is is challenging. Yeah, I, I don't get up that that to that 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 level of professionalism. But I mean, what um, I did was uh, I I took some time off to make some pens and to build a log cabin. <laughs> nice. Which I'm, I'm sitting in right now. Uh, the cabin, not the pens. All right. So hey, I take it. I take it. You use Squarespace then for the uh, for those kind of um, uh, backwards men templates that they offer people. Because uh, I was talking to somebody about that today, 
uh, about all the templates on Squarespace seem to be uh, that you uh, that you're either a wilderness survivalist. Um, that could be me, you know, or or you're a hipster who bit, bit of both. who wants to be. Yeah. Are you whittling anything as we record? Oh Dan? God! Can you hear it? <laughs> 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 well, you've got you've got someone whittling for you. I, I've got two children. <laughs> I'll, I'll just leave that there. <laughs> well, you are near Ironbridge, aren't you? Yes, that's all right. Birthplace of industry. Yeah, are you allowed, you, you're still allowed, those laws. Those bylaws are still going, aren't they? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm allowed to whip those children into an early grave. <laughs> <laughs> Legally speaking, <laughs> are, th- are those the laws you're talking about? Yeah. Yes. Ex- all right. Yeah. Fully, fully on the same page. Then great. So Dan, Dan's from a place called Shro- Shrews. Are you Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury? The side of the river that I'm from is Shrewsbury. Okay, and that's the where you're allowed to shoot Welsh people. Shrewsbury. It's frowned upon everywhere. Yeah, but I am technically Welsh. Yeah. So yeah. that you know that's okay then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Chester. I think there's a bridge you're allowed to shoot. This has taken an unexpectedly dark turn very early. <laughs> well, uh, there's always mur- been murder in Shrewsbury because when I went there, Shrewsbury, sorry, uh, I went to the Cadfile uh, exhibition. I don't know if it's still on there. No, that's a um, uh, a lovely heritage centre now. Ah, right, because uh, I, I had to um, I had to live the history and solve the mystery. You had to murder <laughs> a monk. <laughs> it's a lovely town. Do come and visit. It is beautiful. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like we've been waylaid by by murder and intrigue. No, this is no, how it usually starts. That's good. Yeah. Um, this is normal. Oh, pretty yeah. much. Perfect. Perfect. So we normally start with uh, what's on your desk, but it turns out that Dan hasn't just got one desk; he's got about thirty. So yeah. what what is, what is on your desks? Well, uh, so uh, you know, uh, what's the best way to say this? I'm not one person. You know, I have multiple personas and uh, various different jobs, and depending on the time of year, I get busy in in different ways. So, the my day job is uh, I teach comics. Uh, I run the the illustration department at Glindor University in North Wales. So that's my my day job. I, I go there and do that for uh, more more hours than they pay me for, <laughs> essentially. Um, so at the moment, I'm I'm rewriting things and doing planning documents. I've spent the day pulling down. Uh, um, partition wall for the crowbar. So that's been. Is that metaphorical? Or? No, li- literal, literal. Yeah, uh, wow. I did the same. We, we we put up a bunch of fake walls to put up an exhibition at the end of each year, and then after I've had a holiday, I come back and I tear them all down again. Uh, and I broke my finger doing it last year. I've broken no fingers this year uh, as yet. So it's, Con- it's congratulations. Good, yeah, it's you know, if I go a week without injuring myself, it's it's a pretty pretty good week. Um, so my my work desk is uh, largely. Uh, schedule based and looking at timetables at the moment, which is in- incredibly boring um, but quite necessary. Um, on my drawing slash design desk, because um, even even in my cabin here, I've got multiple desks for different things. Um, I'm working on a well halfway th- well halfway through planning a 400 uh, page graphic novel, um, which is a, a heck of a job. Uh, it's a follow up to the book I did with David Gaffney, um, published by Top Shelf. Um, called the three rooms in Valerie's head. So that one is—it's not, you know, a continuation of the story, but it's a continuation of our collaboration, our, our unending love affair. That's um, a hefty. It's a big one. Yeah. Oh my! I think the the script for uh, Valerie's head was 
something like 8,000 words or something, and that was 120 pages, and I think we're like 40,000 words on this script. Blimey. And we've cut it as well. So it's um, it, it's been quite a long haul, to be honest. We've been working on it um, for uh, maybe a year and a half or so, and it's getting to the point where uh, I'm starting to draw things, uh, so it's getting quite exciting now. Um, but it, that's nearly entirely done on the iPad, on the iPad Pro. Okay, cool. So I've been uh, exploring uh, loads and loads of different software options, uh, trying to figure out, is this a, a really good comics tool, uh, or is it a, a, a fancy trinket that I can show off with, but ultimately I'm going to have to go back to paper because I'm very comfortable there. And I, I think I'm deciding that the iPad Pro is, I've fallen head over heels in love with it. It's a wonderful, wonderful device. Really, really good. Um, the, there's a particular cocktail blend of apps that you need to get to make it really, really good. Um, and I, I can see it getting uh, incrementally better uh, in the coming months as well. Uh, so am I, am I? is this boring or is this okay? No, 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 this is good. John okay. and I have both got iPad Pros. Oh, excellent. Uh, well, welcome. John, I think welcome John, brothers. John, you, you kind of love yours, and I can't get on with drawing on mine at all. Mm. Um Okay, well, let, let me tell you what I did, because initially, um, you know, I, I've been working digitally for uh, heck a long, long time. Uh, my degree was in multimedia design, so I, I got into drawing in uh, in Flash back in the uh, early aughts, um, you know, with a little uh, Wacom tablet. So I've, I've had loads of different, you know, tablets and Wacoms and things like that. Uh, and it, there, were, there were too many cables, too many connections to a computer to make it feel... Um, What's the word? Organic, you know, tactile, um, yeah. pleasant to draw on. It, it was always a very technical exercise. Um, the the iPad Pro, uh, Procreate has been uh, a real eye opener. I took it life drawing a lot, and that that really helped to loosen me up on it. I got a um, a matte screen protector that I've been recommending to absolutely everyone. So you get a slight bit more bite. It's less. Uh, it's a little more friction, uh, a little less uh, smooth. Uh, so yeah, a bit more like drawing on paper, which has been really, really nice. Yeah, I've got one um, of those now. I I could not get used to the the shiny sort of clickiness of yeah of the the pen on glass. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, but so the the process now for 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 comics work is I use a, an app called Comic Draw, which has a uh, a really naff looking icon. It's not a, a well branded product. But in terms of the actual functionality of the of the thing, it's it's really really good. It has a whole different section for scripts, uh, so you can sort of tag things. This is dialogue. This is a new speech bubble. This is a new you know whatever, and then you can sort of drag and drop them into the layout. And it's got really nice layout and paneling things. I really really like sort of penciling and messing around in there and figuring out you know the shape of a page, you know, how it's going to flow, um, and some of the typography. It's got limitations, you know. I think one of the main limitations for me with the iPad is your typographic limitations. Um, there's a, an app called AnyFont, so you can just put any old font on your iPad and then use it. So I've designed a bunch of my own typefaces, so I dump them in, so it's super predictable and nice and easy. Uh, then I export that into uh, Procreate for the for the drawing stuff, and then back into Comic Draw for lettering. It's got a really nice intuitive lettering system. Wow, it's, it's dead good. Sounds I've got to say it's it's real real pretty. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm into that. Yeah. Um, cool. But the, I mean, the, the thing I've been trying to figure out most recently because I've got, you know, I've been a been a Mac guy for uh, like since 2000 or something. So uh, I've always had MacBook Pros, and you know, I've got that big fancy one now that's got no USB ports on it. They'll plug into anything else, and yeah. it's you know a little bit of a, 
pain in the bum, but a lovely machine. And I'm, I'm getting to the point where I think maybe I might be able to entirely leave behind my laptop and the Adobe suite. <clears throat> Sounds good, right? Yeah, I think quite a few people are beginning to do that. I know there's a there's a guy called Rob McCallum who is yes. uh, does concept art, but now predominantly does um, storyboarding for films and video games, and he's entirely moved on to um, the iPad Pro. Yeah, doesn't doesn't use anything else. I mean, I thought that it would be you know absolutely fine for web comics because you stay entirely digital and then you can you know export your individual pages or a PDF or, or whatever. And I've always been a little bit. Uh, hesitant to use it for you know uh, print production because mm-hmm. it's I don't know, it's always felt a little bit web comic I don't know if that makes sense um, yeah. but I've been using uh, Affinity Designer recently I had to design a, a medal um, for, for, for the university recently and did it nearly entirely in Affinity Designer on the on the iPad so real nice vector um, tools uh, I don't think I need Illustrator ever again that's how, how good wow. it is. It's got the uh, desktop version as well. And it's like 50 quid. Uh, that's not bad, is it? That's like four months of Adobe. Mm. Yeah. Mm, really or, good. Or one month of Adobe if you've got the whole suite. I, I do not have the whole suite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're the, the releasing, and I think it's coming out, uh, well, they said by the end of this month, the uh, Affinity Publisher, which is the sort of InDesign killer. Uh, and I am... Very, very excited about that. I've yeah. loved InDesign for an awful long time, but <clears throat> boy, if I if I can if I can sit on the toilet on my iPad and you know pre-press things, I'm going to be that is the, that is the holy grail, isn't it? The, the world's happiest <laughs> man. <laughs> right, so that's a drawing desk. Um, uh, I've got the, the you know the podcast desk as well. So I've got you know the microphones and uh, recorders and notes and books that I've been reading and stuff for there. Um, and then I've got my workbench as well. Um, so I make pens. Uh, I put a whole bunch of them on. I mean, the reason I had to build a log cabin is because the, the, the pen cells had outgrown the garage that I was, I was building them all in because uh, we like to have bikes and, uh, you know, children's toys as well. And we just ran out of room. So I, I built this, this cabin that I'm in at the moment to, you know, turn into a pen factory drawing studio. And, uh, yeah. I, I, I found that the more I learn about pens, the more there is to learn about them. Uh, and so I've, I've put sort of sales on hiatus. Well, I think I think I can make this better. So I've been having to learn about uh, surface tension of inks and capillary action and that controlled leak that a pen is, uh, 3D printing components and uh, working with a lathe to try and uh, turn uh, brass components. It's incredibly boring if you're not at all into it but, no, but no, it's it, it sounds exciting like it, for me it sounds like it got an awful lot more complicated than uh, you initially thought it oh was. yeah yeah i mean because i mean the way that the, the the pen business sort of worked out is uh, i had an idea for a pen and i tried it out and it was pretty good uh, a few people tried it and said oh, that's really good i really like that you should uh, do a few more of them so i put them on sale thinking well 20 people might like it and so that first dip pen version like 200 people were like yeah i want one of them i was like oh, okay so this is when i was in my garage and uh, so i made 200 of these little brass pens not knowing that uh, brass dust is uh, deeply toxic um so i gave myself metal poisoning and uh, what? uh was really quite poorly for a few days while all the um, the zinc in my blood um sort of worked its way out um zinc's zinc's incredibly um uh, toxic to humans don't don't put it inside your body um it's like the you know the, 
that that was when when I started to take the, you know the safety of it a bit more seriously. Um, I've got sort of miniature tattoos across my knuckles from where I've um, uh, sliced them using these uh, uh, awful high spinning, high friction tools, and uh, you know I've got ink in them. So I've got knuckle tattoos based on uh, the injuries that I've received from making these pens. So it's it's a bit nuts. Um, but then I, I figured out a fountain pen version of it, and again I thought, ah, you know, a couple hundred people have bought them. That's everyone who wanted one has one now. Uh, and then it just went nuts. Uh, I think Neil Gaiman bought one and you know put something on Instagram, and it went That's nuts crazy. again. And so for the literally I don't know four months, you know, I lie down on the floor in the front room. My my, my wife would say, "You got to go make some pens," and I would <laughs> pull myself up and like try and make more pens, and it was. It was kind of nuts for for quite a few months. Um, so it, I, I, I put, took them off sale because it was killing me, literally killing me. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to have a, a Christmas break, you know. Um, then, uh, you know, so since then I've been working on prototypes and figuring out, you know, how to uh, machine these components and uh, and improve ink flow and uh, predictability and uh, you know line weight and things like that. So it, it's really exciting stuff, and I, and I think I'm turning a corner with it where where it's um it's turning from something that's quite good into something that i'm really 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 happy with so that that's on the that's on my workbench at the moment crikey you're a busy man oh, well yeah. i was busy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, the, and people say this to me all the time like oh you're busy now how do, how do you do it i'm like just don't watch tv yeah like, you know, that's, that's quite a lot of time sort of free yeah. but, but before i had kids like you know, I've got two kids, and they they take up a heck of a lot of time. I have no idea what I did with the time before I had kids. I thought I was busy then, um, and now it's just I I can't remember free time. I don't I don't know what that is. I've never been I haven't been bored in years now. Well, you sound like it's it's uh, working pretty well for you. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it suits my temperament. You know. You mean what? As in, like downtime isn't good for you? No, no. I you know I, my wife. Her idea of a great holiday is, you know, going sitting on a beach or next to a pool or something uh, in the sun. Uh, and I'm I'm a ginger man, and I can't I can't deal with that much um, uh, sunshine <laughs> first of all. But I, I get really, you know, uh, sort of itchy feet if I stay in one place for too long. Uh, I, I like to be going and doing things. I like, to, you know, when I go to a city, I like to, you know, wander around it and find yeah. out where everything is. And you know, sitting still doesn't uh, particularly appeal to me. So you know, I'm a, I'm a restless child essentially. <clears throat> well, that's just you know, so many creative people we speak to and we know are the same. That sitting still is is not a healthy thing for them. Mm. Uh, there needs to be some kind of outlet. Otherwise, it's frustration or uh, ennui. You know, just- I think I you know, the, I don't get. It's not frustration. I don't think um, I get. Uh, sort of super hyperactive as, as a kid I was really you know hyperactive and um, uh, my mom says that I was obnoxious uh, and I can I can completely understand that you know I, I wanted to be doing things all the time I was interested in how things worked you know I'd get new toys for Christmas or something and immediately take them apart to find out you know what was inside them how did they work what did, what's inside a motor you know I was always really really interested in all that stuff and I think it's 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 just a um, like a surplus of curiosity, I think. I mean, that's that, that's the thing, and and if I'm not sort of scratching that curious itch, I'm not um, satisfied. I think. Mm. Mm. Deep, right? Yeah, good mm. stuff. <laughs> well, 
from from the sublime rob yes <laughs> <laughs> well i you know I what is it they feel... say in team which top that no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I could not uh, <laughs> feel uh, more inadequate. All the way from the start is what I wanted. <laughs> well, I've just I, I've just kind of come off uh, two and a half months of working on a book illustration project. Nice. Which I find quite stressful, you know, for a, a, an illustrator to, to get slightly stressed out by interpreting other people's ideas. You know, it's not ideal. But um, so it was quite stressful, and it was there was quite a lot of work, and it was fifty two illustrations. Um, and that finished uh, I think I did the last tweaks to one of the illustrations this week so I've kind of got nothing on my desk um, which is really really lovely wait do you do you ha- literally have nothing like is that metaphorical or are you incredibly tidy <laughs> I am quite tidy uh, you're sick of me only because I've just finished that project oh, right, okay. in the midst of that project you know there was stuff everywhere but I've kind of I had to to tidy things uh, because it was it was outrageous. Yeah. Um, but now the only bit of work I've got on is I've got um, a private commission to do, which well, is like. a really nice place to be in because it means I can think about doing some stuff for myself. Now I'm working on some prints for John and I's print shop. Um, yeah, so it's, I just it's just a really nice place to be. Um. But you know, compared to you, I I feel like a well. I've just realised I've, I've missed off like a whole book that I'm working on at the moment. Oh, stop it! Would you? <laughs> <laughs> I've, um, I'm working on a really stupid little book for uh, for Thought Bubble uh, of like fictional uh, pitches for comics that don't. Really oh, of exist. course. Yeah, Dick Rivets. Dick Rivets. Which <laughs> the stuff you've posted on Twitter has been hilarious. It's it's the stupidest thing I, I think I've ever done. <laughs> I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for anyone who hasn't seen the little clips, what, can you uh, describe it in oh, a couple geez. of sentences? A couple of sentences. Um, yeah, uh, I, I really like old, like pulp, um, uh, you know, uh, book covers. You know, with there's like a, a guy and he's holding a gun and like peering around a corner and like around the corner there's a gibbon or something. And you're like, what is this book about? This is stupid. <laughs> and, uh, and I was in San Diego for the Comic-Con um, last month. This month? Last month. A while ago. A couple of weeks ago. And, um, uh, you know, I was walking around the, the convention floor and looking at the uh, the, the hugely varied, um, you know, offering on display and the different kinds of comics and the different kinds of properties. And I'm thinking, I could do this. <laughs> so in my sketchbook, I started drawing up these fictional um uh, you know, comic book covers just to make the guys behind the top shelf table laugh, you know, and um, I, the kind of running joke was that I was, uh, you know, pretending with Chris Starrs, the, you know, the publisher at top shelf, this is, this is the one you want to buy. This one, Mecha Mandrill. That's what, that's where it's at. And I decided to do this little detective uh, cover and it's a guy called Dick Rivets. Uh, and he's just a private eye, uh, except someone's like sticking their bum through his, his office window. And I just thought that was really funny. Uh, and then I did like two dozen more of like this detective in the jungle uh, hanging off a clock face, uh, sat inside a car. But someone's always mooning this guy. And I thought that was really funny. Um, I, I, 
I've got an incredible capacity to, to find myself hilarious. Uh, that was very funny. Uh, and then I did, instead of Dick Rivets, there's Rick Divitz, who's the Mooner rather than the Moony. Um, so he wears a motorcycle jacket and moons hens and wildfowl and Santa Claus and, you know, really dumb stuff. It's, it's the stupidest thing that I, I think I've done. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. Uh, but it's the purest joy. I love it. And this is something for Thought Bubble. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a, because, um, you know, it's going to be, a, on, on each spread, there's going to be the cover and then the uh, the sort of brief pitch or synopsis of, yeah. uh, you know, what's inside this this thing. Uh, and I use the phrase, uh, uh, bear upper rear thigh, uh, rather a lot. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. I'm, uh, like I said, I, I, it's very distasteful to find yourself this funny. <laughs> no, I'm all for it. <laughs> If you do get around to uh, listening to a couple of episodes of the podcast, you'll... Um, I'll yeah. understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, John, what's on your desk? Uh, well, I've been working... I'm working on a website, which I'm really struggling to motiva- motivate myself to get through, but um, that's the way work goes. Um, I've been painting a lot of rocks. Uh, oh, is this the next one in the queue? Yes, that- that's right. Yeah. Sorry, I thought I was being discreet. <laughs> no need. Um, yeah, so uh, I've been painting some rocks. Uh, there's, the, I've say, I've written the thing that the pinnacle of culture in Hampshire is hiding and finding rocks. <laughs> so we, we're we're kind of cave like um, uh, in that in that respect. So uh, there's a real craze going around, isn't? I don't know if your kids are into it, where you hide rocks and then post them on social media. I not. Yeah, come Not, across this. No. no, it's called. I think it's called love, love on the rocks. I think that's what the kind of the meme thing is of it. But okay. little, little kiddies absolutely love it. So you just paint ridiculous things on on rocks and just leave them anywhere you like, and then just track where they go. So uh, that's been lots of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, my daughter's at home at the moment, so not you know it's hard to get work done. Uh, How old's your daughter? Uh, she's four. That's a great age. Yeah. yeah. I, I just get I get this thudding down the corridor and it's like, old man, old man, where's that old man? And then the door flies open <laughs> and I get distracted. <laughs> my, my daughter is um, uh, five. She's going to be six in December. And her, her favorite thing at the moment is to, uh, well, she... She 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 came up to me the other day and, uh, and grabbed my, my right leg in, in a big hug and said, this this leg is called Sneezy. I was like, okay, okay, Sneezy, fine. And she's like, oh, I love Sneezy. And then she sort of moved on to the left leg and said, oh, this one's called Meanie. And she booted it as hard as she could. I hate Meanie, she says. I hate this leg. <laughs> okay. So now we've got Sneezy and Meanie, uh, and she'll just use that at any time to kick me in the back of the knee, like just pound me in the shins. Um, you know, snap at me with her teeth, saying, "I just want to bite you on the nose." Like she's, <laughs> she's a terrifying uh, goblin. That I, I don't know where she came from. They are uh, weird, but, but aren't wonderful, they? but wonderful in in every way, <laughs> but also terrifying. Yeah, they're weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Other than that, no. I've been. Um, what I've been doing? I'm reading a book that I don't know if you recommended. You, I always say this to you, Rob, but you always have recommended it to me. It's called "The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet." Um, that? No, I uh, haven't. It's by a lady called Becky Chambers, and it's one of three. Um, it's it's got a terrible cover, but actually, if you follow that link down, it's very mm. very pulp fiction. Oh um, yes. 
uh, and it's it's really I'm really enjoying it. It's it's kind of a, a space opera kind of book, but in a kind of teen written in a teen way. It's it's, it's I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's about a a a, a vehicle or a spaceship that uh, creates worm wormholes and keeps them clear, and it's the kind of the crew that that lives on that. It's like a spaceship. like a, a dredger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's kind of um, it's kind of a bit like uh, you know that you were developing, Rob. Um, yes, the um, asteroid belt blues. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm enjoying that a lot. Um, it sounds good. Yeah, I actually quite like the cover. Do you? Well, from that small thumbnail that I can see, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna click enlarge. It's the typeface. It's awful. Well, I guess it kind of does what it says on the tin. Yeah, it's kind of comic-like, isn't it? Yeah, but it looks better think, as a thumbnail, to be fair. Yeah, it does. Um, what about some news? Anything caught your interest? Um, I'll go back to Dan. Have you got any any news? Anything arrived or in, in the mail? You've you seen? Say. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, I don't know if you ever saw on, on Kickstarter the um, lunar display. Did you see? Yes, that? we talked. Yeah, about we it. we talked about it. Uh, we really like the kind of the design of it. It's like a geometric it's a little sort thumb. Of yeah, little shape. little. T- crystalline thumb that you can yeah. stick into your laptop. Um, so I backed the Kickstarter and then with, with every Kickstarter that I back, I completely forgot about it. <laughs> uh, and then earlier in the week, I got this email saying, your thing's shipped. And I'm like, what the heck is this? I can't Oh, all right, I remember now. Uh, so basically what it is, is uh, an extension to Astropad on the, uh, on the iPad. So Astropad will mirror the screen from your, your laptop, your, your PC, your Mac. Is it Mac only? I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, so you can, you know, sit on your, your iPad and then over the Wi-Fi you can draw in Photoshop or, or whatever on your computer. So it's, it's a really cool thing. I use it for, you know, editing stuff quite a lot. I don't like it so much for drawing, but it's it's a really useful sort of, uh, I can laze on the sofa and have the, the laptop upstairs and be working on the laptop. So it's, it's, it's pretty neat. The Luma display uh, extends the screen onto, uh, well, it extends it rather than mirrors it. And it's, it's pretty neat. Um, it's... It's it's really good, and if you pair pair it up with with AstroPad as well, uh, AstroPad Studio specifically, where you've got all of the shortcuts for the for the software that you're using, you get all the the pressure sensitivity and the tilt in the pen, and it's it, it's pretty good. I've only had a very brief play with it. Um, it similarly to AstroPad, you know, when it moves rather quickly, you get some pixelation and a uh, little uh, jumping stuttering. There's a little bit of that, and you can you can get it to uh, mirror uh, or sorry, extend it retina. Um, uh, resolution or a lower resolution that runs a bit faster uh, but I haven't really had enough time with it yet to decide which I prefer uh, do I put my reading glasses on or not uh, is the big question I guess so, um, it's exciting so what I, I don't use Astropad I know you've used it haven't you John so what does the the little dongle do in addition to the kind of standard Astropad so Astropad will only mirror the screen oh okay um, and this one, you know, if I sit here in front of my laptop, I can have the laptop screen, um, uh, you know, placed above the iPad screen. I can, like, move down and backwards yeah. and forwards between the two. Um, so you can stick all your menus and All the boring stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah. But with the AstroPad Studio, you get the, the kind of, it's built into the, the interface. So you've got there, like like a like a Cintiq, you know, you've got the, um, the buttons, like, enlarge, brush, mm. take it down. Uh, you know, eraser, you know, new layer, uh, okay. modifier keys and things there as well. And I think the the kind of uh, AstroPad 
diet regular um i don't know the, the normal one not the studio one i don't think it has that uh that integration uh, you know between the hardware and the software uh, so the studio, I know there's a subscription there, uh, and the the loom display is not not inexpensive at all. Uh, it's it's not cheap, um, but it, it seems to be a really neat uh, little little thing. I'm not entirely convinced that it's going to be the most useful thing I've ever bought, but it's it's very clever and it's neatly packaged, and you know it's a very very simple little interface. Just once you've downloaded it, you plug it in, and away it goes. It's it's very mm. very straightforward. So I'm 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 impressed. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's. Uh, I'll either find lots of things I can use it for, and it's going to be completely indispensable, or it's going to end up on eBay. One of those two things. Keep us posted. Or keep you posted. I'll send you a link <laughs> to a blog post or an eBay listing. Depends. Uh, State just your status, general status on Twitter. Uh, what uh, news have you got for us, John? The, the um, V&A are um, continuing their sort of their sort of tendrils into modern culture. Um, we went to one a couple of years ago, uh, which was about kind of um, what was the name of that thing? It was kind of uh, like about it was like the post- power of protest, wasn't it? Yeah, it was protest art and protest. Oh yeah, um, I creativity. think I went to that. That was, a, yeah. that was a few years ago, now, wasn't it? A couple of years That's ago, two or three, yeah. Kind of the first large um, exhibition um, based on video games. Um, this one is actually concentrating on rather than the retro kind of game thing. It's it's concentrating on mid two thousands and up to the present day. Um, as we see, sort of, as we see gaming, although it's a huge, you know, bigger than Hollywood in terms of turnover, but it's still seen as a cultural outsider. And it, this is its further move into the mainstream. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I can't wait to go and see it. I think I think that would be really exciting. Um, and I've paired that with another story, which is the Creative Review podcast. Um, Darren Wall was on it recently, and I really recommend listening to that episode. He um, uh, runs a, t- a couple of publishing agencies now. One called Volume, which we've spoken about recently, which is uh, Anthony Burrell. They're mm. doing a, a retrospective of him to kick it off with, um, and the other one is. Uh, uh, random. Uh, I think it's Read Only Memory. I think it's, it's Ram is the publishing thing, and they they make um, beautiful books based on like really niche video games. So wow. they've done one on the Bit Brothers, the Bitmap Brothers. Um, if you remember nice. that, Speed yeah. Two and things like that. And he is a yeah. brilliant designer um, and all round nice guy. It seems as well. So yeah, that was. I think those two things are quite. They're both talking about this move, this shift of, of video games into into main culture i know they've been in there a long time but they still it's still the video game industry still sees itself as a as an outside thing yeah. um I, I still can't get into gaming anymore <laughs> i'm too old for it i just get so bored so quickly um are you, are you a gamer dan uh yes and no uh I, I go through um you know kind of frenzied periods of game activity um i had uh had flu uh, last year and we'd we'd just got a Nintendo Switch for the kids, and so I played the uh, the Zelda game, um, you know, sick in bed with flu, um, which was kind of a difficult thing to do because you got to remember things and learn how things work. But I really like the games that you can sort of jump in and uh, do something, you know, learn the rules really really simply, and then have like a, a fifteen minute play, and then you don't have to come back and like do more and more. Yeah. And you don't have to one hundred percent it. Uh, there was a game called uh, was sorry talking about it in the past tense like it died uh, Spelunky 
it was like a generatively designed tile based game where you, you you're a little guy and you have to go down a mine and, and get to the end of it but it's incredibly difficult but it's generatively designed and uh, it's, it's a smart game design but it's one of those things you can pick up and just play and there was another one recently called uh, enter the gungeon uh, and everything is gun related and you're, you're a little guy that runs around and like shoots guns and bullets are coming to get you and uh it, again it's all generatively designed so you don't you know have the same level one experience <clears throat> twice in a row and i quite like that because like i said i've got a fairly short attention span uh, and other things to do so i don't like the uh, i remember playing a few years ago uh, red dead redemption you know, my brother-in-law recommended it to me and said, you've got to play this game. You ride around on a horse and shoot people, and it's brilliant. So I gave it a go, and uh, yeah, it's quite good fun. But my problem with a lot of games is that they they turn you into a courier. You know, run over here and grab that, and then come back, and you think, okay, cool, it's going to be so exciting, and you, you do it. And then it's like, now I need you to go and do this. You're like, yeah. oh, this is like my job. <laughs> yeah. Even the open world games kind of you know lead you down a certain linear path, don't they? Yeah, but I really like games that do something different. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Sword and Sorcery um, uh, on the iPad back in two thousand or something or other. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to meet the guys that, that made it, and I, you know, did some work with uh, Jim Guthrie, who did all the uh, the sound design. Um, you know, and they, they had a really neat game mechanic where it was based on the time of day and the phase of the moon and uh, and things like that. And they had like interesting Twitter integration. And I, I like games that do something interesting and clever. Uh, I'm not particularly at all interested in you know the next uh call of duty or you know yeah yeah shoot we, everyone as much as you can yeah we looked at uh, i like jim guthrie's uh i love that soundtrack that he made it's kind of like retro bit you know kind of like and, he, and he's 64. a very lovely man as well you made a video for him i did yeah we're gonna yeah, yeah. I uh, I did a did a video for um, uh, the rest is yet to come, uh, and it took like two weeks. <laughs> it was nuts. Uh, wow. It was absolutely crazy. But it was it was good fun to do. Yeah. Is there any any end to your uh, your talents? Oh, well, I'm, so- I'm, sure, I'm sure there is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll just keep quiet about them when we find them, and uh, and everyone can continue believing that I'm uh, you know impeccable. <laughs> <laughs> I am really not not coming across well, am I? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of people who disappeared up their own ass, uh, yeah. Thingy hey. Kapoor, Anish Kapoor, uh, fe- um, did you read about the man who fell into his painted hole installation? Oh, I did. Yes. <laughs> did you read this, Dan? I haven't read it yet. But so I've seen he's the got thing. he's got this black circle that's painted. We've been talking about. Well, it's a hole, uh, isn't it? That's yeah. painted. Yeah. It is, a, yeah, and it's painted with his Vanta black, which is this, uh, it's the blackest, the darkest pigment in, in the yes, world. that's right, and he's, yeah. And, and he's, uh, he's protected it, so, you know, you're not, you're only allowed to get permission off him to to use it. He's um, Wiley Coyote. <laughs> he is. Do you think he threw it on the ground like it was Roger Rabbit? Yeah. I think a train <laughs> might have popped out of it at one point. <laughs> That's what I mean. It just disappears. You come out and you're in his underpants. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. Uh, yeah, I think the the person was was hurt as well, weren't they? Well, it's t- the, the whole two and, laugh, and a half meters it deep. It, it, it is. He's uh, an Italian man in his sixties. Yeah, it's quite a big hole to fall down. <laughs> a road runner fell into it. Yeah, <laughs> it was blown up by acne. Right, Rob. What have you got? Uh, it's not the newest of news, but it's kind of vaguely new to me, which is Comicsgate. 
you're going to have to explain this to me. I have no idea what this is. Uh, so it's uh, a few. Uh, are you aware of the comics gate yes. shenanigans, Dan? I am. So it's kind of a, a movement that's uh, been around for a while, and it kind of gained a lot of attention last year when some female Marvel creatives posted a, a photograph of them all uh, having milkshakes. And these kind of comics gate uh, followers or, you know, disciples dived on this and said, this is everything that is wrong with comics today. Um, oh, you used the word disciples when you should have said jerks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so basically it's it, it kind of has this guise of being comics criticism um, and trying to reshape comics away from diversity because they think it is it's what's destroying comics and it's harming sales so they they say they're trying to kind of save comics but actually it's just uh a vehicle for homophobia transphobia allowed in my treehouse exactly yeah um and Uh, have uh, they named it themselves comic gate i don't know if they named it but they certainly use that term um so like gamergate or yes um, Exactly. Yeah. So, but but Watergate was the exposure of those kind of twats. Yeah, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think I'm, it bears. Not, not sure they thought this all the way through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so this is there's something that's kind of been bubbling around for a while, um, and there's one or two kind of high profile comics creators who are on the kind of comics gate side, um, and. Um, this week, Tom Taylor, who's a, I think he's a writer for DC Comics, put out this little credo on Twitter. Uh, and he said, I believe comics are for everyone. There's no excuse for harassment. There's no place for homophobia, transphobia, racism, or misogyny in comics criticism. Which is great. And it got, you know, 7,000 retweets or whatever. Um, but he then copped a bit of flack for the comics criticism bit of that. Because kind of uh, describing the, the comics gate movement as comics criticism is lending them, you know, kind of credence where that's not really what they are. They're just a hate group, really. Well, the um, thing is, I think I can fix this tweet. Uh, let, let, let me read it back to you and I'll, I'll fix it as I go. There is no place for homophobia, transphobia, racism or misogyny. Exactly. That's exactly what I thought Full as stop. well. Yeah, you don't need the rest. I mean, but, you know, no, if you're enough, saying, it, you know, there's no place for it in this particular instance, it almost, you know, it doesn't imply it at all. But, you know, it, yes. it, jerks, again, can say, well, there is a place for it. And you're like, no, there's not. I know. Like, you have to be so careful with how you phrase everything, don't you? Because they will use it against you. Yeah. Um, but I just wondered, you know, working in comics, is this anything that has kind of, have you sort of seen much about this? It's it's really hard because the way that I you know to take it you know back a number of years uh, I I left Facebook in like two thousand and eight two thousand and seven or something like that because I felt that it had turned into an open sewer that I was sort of channeling into my into my brain yeah. and I, I just thought this is this is really unpleasant so I moved to Twitter and. And I remember the the sort of phrase that was used at the time that was, you know, Facebook is for who you were and Twitter's for who you want to be. 
I remember thinking, that's right, I, I want to leave behind all this, this, this awfulness that keeps getting piped into, into my laptop, into my phone, and I want to, I want to, I want to be better than this. And I, I feel like every social network now has this life cycle of it's this cool new place where all the cool kids hang out, and then it becomes like, oh Christ, the jerks have turned up. And I feel that this is the way that, that Twitter's gone. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a white middle class uh, guy. Like, it absolutely doesn't, you know, make its way into my life unless I invite it. You know, and it, it's an absolute position of privilege because, you know, I, I look like those guys that want to make everyone look like this. Yeah. You know, and it's... It's really hard. And, and the way I think about it is that a lot of times this, this idea of... Um, you know, diversity and, uh, you know, inclusion, which I, I want to say should be normal. Like, you know, it, one of the rules I set for my kids is you're not allowed to say that someone's not allowed to play with you. Like, that's, it, it's, it's common courtesy and it's just basic human decency. And I, I feel that, you know, one of the, when I was, you know, I tried to explain this to, to my students, you know, I think that as a, you know, white middle class guy, it's very, very difficult to sometimes see it from someone else's perspective. And the example I give is when when I go into the kitchen and my wife says, you know, do we need, you know, have a look in the cupboards, see what we need for shopping. And I'll look in the cupboards and I, I can't remember what's supposed to be there. I can't see the things that aren't there. And so I'm like, I don't think we need anything. Like, it seems, it seems all right to me. And she's like, there's gherkins missing, there's beans missing, we need some biscuits, you know, we've run out of orange squash, you know, why can't you see this? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm not very good at this. But so, so when someone says to you, like, this isn't inclusive or this is, you know, racist, you don't say, no, it's not. You say, oh, crap, someone's opened the, the door on this and told me what's missing in this cupboard. And you don't get to tell them, no, it's not. Yeah. They're right. That, if someone says this is racist, like they're probably right. If they're saying uh, this is misogynist, they're probably right. Absolutely. And it's not your place to say, ah, you're wrong. Like, because y- you can't see that. It's very, very difficult, I think, to to empathize on a level with someone that you don't want to empathize with. And it, it's so, so hard. But then also, the, the, the alternative side of this, I think, sorry if I'm speaking too much, is that arguing on the internet is like walking into a, a lift full of farts and just shouting, pull my finger. <laughs> like, what good is it going to do? That's yeah. just tw- that's Twitter's strapline, isn't it? Yeah. That's their new yeah. corporate pull, identity. Pull finger, and, and <laughs> Get yourself so. down to London, Dan, and join an agency. <laughs> I'm going to. natural. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it I'm coming so you know pull, the, the, pull my finger that's it <laughs> so, so you know I, I I find it very very depressing very disheartening because my experience of comics and the people I've met in comics has almost entirely been one of meeting really wonderful people who are super earnest super hard working do wonderful things who are so funny and like warm and giving and generous and to see these people just getting harassed for like my goodness is there a good reason at all no is is there something that's been dressed up uh, as like a, a pretend you know fancy dress reason for it absolutely it's 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 a nonsense nonsense thing and it shouldn't happen I don't know anything about this is the first time I've heard of it but so people are complaining that is this about like mainstream comics we're talking sort of DC Marvel storylines here I think a lot of it is is targeted at mainstream comics because of the 
there has been sort of an increase in diversity, in, not just in sort of creators, but in kind of characters. You know, so Thor is now a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the latest Iron Man is a is a black girl. Miles Morales is the is a, a black uh, Spider Man, and they they think that this is linked to declining comic sales. Right. So they're trying to save comics by. You know, De- declining comic sales. What in the mainstream? Because yes. sure, isn't comics now just such the 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 width and the breadth of of, of comics is yeah. Is a, lo- a lot of this just it? purely comes from uh, sour grapes because you know a lot of these people are not getting their comics made because they're rubbish, um, or they're just uh, you know racist, sexist, homophobes. Yeah. How very sad that it's starting to touch even the comic world, which I thought was one of the most, you know, open and accepting kind mm. of industries that I've ever I've ever set eyes on. I think you know mm. that I've experienced. Um, I think listening when I first started listening to your podcast, and I, mm. I, I, you know, I I was really into comics when I was um, maybe sixteen, seventeen, you know, two thousand AD, all that kind of stuff. Deadline, um, but I also liked. Um, you know, I liked Fizz and Beano and all the traditional British comics. I loved, I loved action comics, which was oh god, yeah, pre two thousand AD. Um, but uh, I, I couldn't make the link. I couldn't make the jump from my, my early, you know. So when I hit university and did an English degree, there was no, there was no way for me to follow my interest in comics unless I spoke French or I, I didn't even know that there was, you know, that kind of movement. Yeah. So it wasn't until I listened to your podcast that I, I, I think I'd watched I, the comic I'd read was Ghost World and I seen the film and right, that kind of yeah. was like, oh wow, there's this, there's this indie comic scene. I didn't even know that existed. You know, it was, it was just such an amazing thing. So. Finding your podcast just opened up the world to me to uh, to new comics, and you know I think now I, you know I read a lot of comics. I'm actually I've spent the last couple of years going back through, and I'm kind of read a lot of mainstream comics, but just to see that just because I'm interested in that kind of you know and how they make the stories and and the big blockbuster stuff. But I always come back to indie comics to niche kind of uh, bizarre, funny you know, quirky stories, because that's real life, you know, it, and it, and it really resonates with me. So for people to say that, you know, the main, it's like, it's like saying you can only go and see blockbuster Hollywood movies at the films and anybody who goes to see anything else is an absolute idiot or it just doesn't make yeah. any sense yeah. to me. The, the, no. You don't have to dig very deep to. No, I'm, I'm, I know, and I, and I'm, I'm railing against, you know, uh, I'm like Canute against the sea, <laughs> yeah. but I just wanted to kind of illustrate yeah, yeah. the, the depth and the breadth of, of, of what, what is available on, in the, on the comics world. If you haven't dipped into it, because obviously we're not a comics uh, podcast, so we, we don't talk about it hugely, but um, yeah, yeah, I just, I, I urge people who do well, listen to this to go and explore. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, the lovely comments. Thank you very much. The, I mean, when, when I started the podcast, you know, it, it became very quickly apparent to me that what I wanted was to make make something that was useful for someone in some way, like whatever way it could be. And I, I remember being at university and being a little bit shy to ask a dumb question, you know, because I thought, oh Christ, they're going to think I'm stupid if I ask a stupid question. And now I, you know, I don't have an ego about dumb questions. You know, if, if I think there's something that might be useful to ask I'll ask it and when I was at school um, there was 
uh, a guy who had these this is going to be relevant, I promise. He had these <laughs> these amazing like cassette tapes, and he'd make us mixtapes. He was in my brother's year, and he would like, "Have you heard this punk band? Have you listened to this thing? Have you listened to that?" And he would make these mixtapes, and he was like a an amazing tour guide for music. He got me into music. He, you know, it's one of the reasons that I uh, I learned to play guitar. Uh, you know, I played in bands a lot when I was uh, younger, and he was one of the reasons. And he went on to uh, you know do loads of fanzines and. Uh, uh, promote shows around Manchester and, and all sorts of things. And, you know, he, he died uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and it got me thinking about the idea that you, in most industries, uh, this generally has been my experience, I think you have uh, two vague kinds of people. You've got tour guides who want to explain to everyone why everything's amazing. Have you seen this? This is brilliant. Have you tasted that? It's amazing. Have you read this? It's great. And then you've got gatekeepers who are like, get out of here. You're not, you're not welcome here. And I, you know, I always think like, what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to contribute to the sum total of love on the planet or not? And that, that's basically the choice that I think a lot of people are presented with. And so with the podcast, I, I try to emulate that idea of, do you want to be a gatekeeper or a tour guide? I'm like, yeah, I want to be a tour guide. That sounds awesome. Fantastic. I uh, that, think that, that's that a lovely way of looking at things as well. Thank you. Yeah, because I, I realise we probably, I mean, we've, we've been going like 55 minutes already and we could probably talk into the night, but the uh, I think that Let's the interview it. is Let's kind go. of mixed I'm, up I'm with, the whole, with the whole show. In, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that, that covers a question that I was going to ask you that, um, I can't remember who it was you were talking. I was listening to a podcast today. I was just sort of randomly picking ones that you'd, you'd been involved in. It might have been John Allison, who is, I just think is the most fantastic storyteller. Um, yeah, and I really agree. admire his, his work. Um, but it, it's like, it's easy when you, uh, when you do dip into a world where you've got somebody who is like a guide for you, but is it's easy to become that they are a lens through which that you view the world and perceive that world of illustration or comics through their lens. And it's easy to forget about other different ways that are, you know, maybe more famous people or not famous people, but more, but real hardworking, successful illustrators might never be on social media. They might never yeah. have told a story or like you say, they might be people who are like, no, this is private and I don't really want to get involved in that. But do you think that's that, that your podcast is reflective of the industry as a whole, or do you think it's very much curated through your own vision? Do you try and, <laughs> but one, it, it, I'm not trying to be difficult, but no, I'm saying, no. is, is it, is it a wide spec? Do you pick a wide spectrum or do you pick people that you really, you know, you admire and that you want to show off so, or, or, to, or to spread their, their, their work around? Uh, Yes, is the is the short answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the long <laughs> Good answer. Question, I mean, let's go another hour. The, um, <laughs> so when I started it, you know, I'd been uh, you know making comics for for a couple of years. Well, you know, making comics and showing people for a, a couple of years. Uh, I'd been making comics for a long time before that, but not really showing anyone. I didn't really know how it worked. Didn't know that there were things like comic conventions and. This is kind of before social media. Uh, or, well, no, MySpace existed, but it was all music for me at that point. I was playing in bands. And so when I started the podcast, I, I thought maybe I can get a year out of this. Maybe in the UK there are like 50 people that I can interview and then I will use them all up. and no, no more people left to interview and then it'll be done. So that's cool. Like It's a fun year. Uh, but 
the, the, the way I think about it is that I was living on this very strange little island with the people who were just like me. And so I'd go, you know, go to comic shows and we'd go out for pizza afterwards together. We'd go for a drink together and it was me and my friends. And so then I would talk to one of my friends on the podcast and they'd say, oh, have you spoken to so-and-so? I think, oh, I didn't know that person existed. So then I'd speak to that person and sort of have this whole other island opened up of like, oh, this person's got a, like a, a little social network and they know things and they know people and it's different from what I know. This is this is amazing. And so every person I speak to like opens up a brand new door for me. And what I thought of as being, you know, maybe there'll be 50 people that I'd speak to is now, you know, I've got a list uh, on my laptop that is, it, I don't know how long it is. It's, it's enormous. Um, you know, easily triple the, you know, the 150 or so that I've done already like easily. And that's literally scratching the surface. Uh, you know, and it's not that I want to, you know, catalog, uh, every single creator on the whole planet, because that would be an act of, uh, absolute madness. Um, but it, I always get very, very interested in people that I find interesting. Like, you know, that that's basically the, uh, the criteria, like, have you, have you done something interesting? Uh, do, do you do something that's slightly different? Uh, you know, are you from a background that's slightly different? Have you got a, a mode of thinking that's different from me? Because I, I realized, you know, again, that, like you said, the people can see the entire world of comics through the, this Dan lens, um, which, you know, I like to think it's a nice big lens, but it's not. Um, it's it's a fairly cloudy, uh, cataract-ridden lens, to be honest, <laughs> compared to what there could be. So I'm, I'm always really, really aware that, um, it, uh, you know, you do have a responsibility when you when you because I didn't realize I have a platform that people listen to, you know, I, I, it's, it's a weird thing. I have a conversation with someone, then I post it through a letterbox on the internet and forget about it. Uh, and then there's thousands of people on the other end looking at it and listening to it. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. People are actually listening in on these conversations. And so after a while, the sort of the, the responsibility, uh, kind of dawns on you. You think, Oh, right. Okay. Let's, um, let's, take this seriously but then you think oh, i must make it serious and then you think well now i'm maybe cutting out people who do silly stuff that's that's just as valid you know i want to take silly people seriously as well and then you think well am i cutting out web comics people because they don't have a publisher oh, well i'll talk to some web and so every time you know i have a, a thought in my head like should i like yeah absolutely yeah absolutely should do that um, like I said, it, it's a challenging thing to do to, you know, arrange schedules and, you know, sometimes people can't do it or they're, they're too shy or, uh, they're too busy. You know, I mean, it's a great problem to have, to have too much work on, to be able to, you know, sit down for a chat. You know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful problem to have. So it's, it, it basically, you know, the, the criteria is, do I find the, the work and the person interesting? That's, that's it now. I think as well, you've, you've got to remember that, <clears throat> you know, doing your podcast like we're doing ours is, you know, it's not a kind of a paid gig. It's not a, a job. You don't want it to feel too much like a job. I mean, yeah, you want to do the best that you can, but, you know, if you're talking about stuff, it needs to be stuff that you're interested in. If you're going to have guests on, they need to be people you're going to find interesting because you don't want the, you don't want it to become a chore, do you? Yeah. I mean, like I said, the, the aim is to, uh, provide something that's useful to someone in some way 
Um, you know, and I've had emails from people, you know, saying, you know, I found it really, really useful to hear, you know, so-and-so who I really admire saying, oh, God, it's a struggle to get up and draw. You know, like, that's they're, normal. They're the best bits. Oh, that's normal. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't feel like such a monster, you know, anymore. You know, that That's, you know, to, that's the, the level of, like, usefulness that I, I, I'm interested in. You know, when I started it, I, I was listening to some other podcasts and they were saying, oh, in issue 73 of Incredible, you know, uh, butt cheek man, you know, this this thing happened and why did that happen? And I think I'm not particularly interested in in that bit. I'm, I'm interested in the person and the work that goes into what people mm-hmm. read. Um, you know, I'm a creator and I'm interested in the act of creation. So we'll just talk about that. So when I see someone doing something kind of intensely creative, you know, it really piques my interest. You know, I mentioned that sort of insatiable curiosity earlier. Like that's the stuff I want to try and find out. And I, you know, I'm not afraid of asking stupid questions like, "Why do you do it that way?" You know, where do you get your ideas from? The, the dumb questions, they're really stupid things, but you can get some really exciting answers from it. Yeah, I remember when I when I read the Beano when I was a kid, thinking, "How is this made?" And do people <laughs> give, do people give the work for free? And that was the kind of that was what I used to, you know, I was like, mm. how do I get to do this? And, and, where, and you know, and, and do they earn enough money? Do they, you know, how many do they produce a week? I just, I had no idea. And that's, it's just infinitely fascinating to well, I, uh, I think I thought they just out. arrived. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember reading Asterix and not really thinking that, you know, uh, that the, the names on the front who, who I couldn't pronounce at the time were people. I thought that was just like a thing you put on the front of books. Yeah, like they're not people. Udazo is not a person. Can't be. It just these comics, isn't it? They spontaneously arrive out of <laughs> out of dust and, and magic. It's, it's obviously, they just arrive. Yeah, what a weird thought, eh? <laughs> no one was holding the camera on this film. It just happened. Yeah, it's strange. <laughs> how did you? How did you get? How did you become a teacher? What What happened there? Oh, so I, I was. Um, I'd, I'd finished my degree. I did a, a multimedia design degree. Uh, and they had this this project that they wanted um, you know someone to uh, sort of project manage for them, uh, and so they asked me if I wanted to do this. And then because I was uh, sort of nearby, I got a couple of like uh, cover teaching jobs at the university. Um, and I, and I, I went away and I worked at a you know marketing agency in Birmingham for a while, and I like, took another couple of jobs in the meantime. Um, and then you had this interest in comics. You know, I'd, uh, I'd done my masters. Uh, looking at uh, comics and interaction, you know, can you make comics interactive? Uh, short answer, not really. Um, and uh, so they said, you know, we're going to be doing this um, uh, degree in comics. Do you know, do you want to come in and uh, you know talk to the team about it and you know give them your perspective? I was like, yeah, of course. And it just, you know, the relationship sort of developed from there essentially. So I'd um, I'd done, I'd had a little bit of teaching experience, uh, and they, they brought me in to do like some software stuff. Uh, you know, some design process stuff, uh, you know, a couple of other groups of students. Uh, eventually, I ended up applying for this part-time job uh, in the illustration department as the comics guy, and I got the job. Um, and then that was uh, just over 10 years ago. So it was 10 years in February. Uh, that's my 10-year anniversary. And so I've gone from being a sort of part-time uh, lecturer, uh, now I'm head of the illustration department. So luck, basically, the right place at the right time. Um, no rhyme or reason to it. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I left my GCSEs on a bus um, just after I got them, so I, I really don't deserve this. Uh, I'm assuming my boss isn't listening. <laughs> mm. That's basic. That's basically it. Um, 
But it, everybody we talk to um, falls into uh, a creative role rather than it's ordained from, you know, like the gods. They were sent out from Mount Olympus and they were the warrior. But it seems to just be some kind of random thing that you eventually, like a spinning top, you come or, you know, like a roulette wheel, you, you, you come to a stop and it seems to be that's what fits your life. Well, right? no, no, one seems to, no one seems to have had like a linear no. route to where they're at, do they? No, no I mean, not the, at the, all. The, the, there's a, I guess there's a, an extra little wrinkle in the story because I'd, I'd taken this job in Birmingham at a design agency and it was, uh, it was terrible. It was an awful job. I ended up being hospitalised with stress. Uh, awful boss, awful experience, hated every second of it. Um, and so I, I quit that job, obviously, um, and uh, I'd, I'd taken, uh, I was looking for work as a designer and there was a, um, uh, uh, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to name them, uh, but there was a, a trade organization that represented uh, uh, British exports and they were based uh, in a town near where I live. And so they, they said, you know, do you want to be our designer? I was like, yeah, come in for the first job interview. And so the first one is I talked about myself and the work that I'd done and they were very impressed. And they said, next interview, we're going to tell you, you know, what what we do and we want you to create the website and things like that. So I was like, okay, cool. And so I did and I looked at the website and it was, I was God awful, you know, Dreamweaver 1997, awful nastiness just flashing buttons all over the place. And so I said, you know, it needs to be this, it needs to be this. And they, they kind of tore me down a peg in the, in the interview and said, well, no, no, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. And so I walked out of the interview and I told them, well, I don't want your job then. I walked out of the interview and so I drove to the, the university straight from the interview. So I was still in like a suit uh, and like met up with the, the head of the department and said, look, if, if, if there's going to be a job going, I'll need to know about it because I'm, I'm going to have to take something else. So, get a move on like, if you advertise for this job uh, and if you you know it's very presumptuous and if you want me to apply for it get, you know shake a tail feather boy because it's you know I, I can't you know go much longer without a, a job you know and I, and I don't want to take temp work um, so you know then they sent an email like a week or so later saying here's a link apply apply and so I did so that that was you know me trying in, in some way to I guess control my destiny uh, desperation, essentially, trying to avoid an <laughs> awful job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I spent twenty years in an awful job, but uh, so um, if we've we've talked about quite a few, I've got a list of things here that I kind of wrote down. But I've, we've talked about a lot of things. But you said you do, you know, we try to avoid the kind of the, the stories that you tell, you know, with the ins and outs and the uh, minutiae of the stories that you write. But is it what is it that you find so in in um exciting about making comics is it is it the drawing is it the telling of stories is it the blend of the two or what what it's for me it's it started out as a, it looked like a fun challenging thing to do uh, i like i always like drawing you know drawing's always been very pleasurable for me i really enjoy it um you know the, the challenge now is to trick myself into enjoying every drawing i do rather than sort of slogging through it and trying to, you know, grit your teeth, like, this is going to end up finished, you know. Um, for, for me, the thing that I really like about comics, specifically as a medium, is I think of it as a form of mind control. I can I can put these, these lines and colours on a piece of paper 
and make someone think something or also make someone feel something, uh, you know, w- without being in the same room as them. You know, I can print it a thousand times and give it to a thousand people and they're all going to hopefully like all land on the same, you know, storytelling emotional beats that I want them to land on. They're all going to experience it in a, in a similar way. And so it's megalomania, really. Yeah, basically, it's it. You know, the overarching thing is, you know, I am a, uh, an, an intense control freak. I think, <laughs> that, you know, that very unpleasant character trait. <laughs> um, but you know, is that why your comics have got arrows on them saying, "Read this next, this next idiot, dummy"? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all me. Yeah, that'd be a great comic, wouldn't it? <laughs> Come on, dummy, keep up. Page what are you doing on this page, you moron? <laughs> you clearly haven't read this properly, idiot. <laughs> Um, I might do that now, but you know that's the thing that I find really exciting. You know that there's there's this the thing I love about comics is is, is this mad uh, balancing act between being a, a writer. You know you've got to think. Well, if, obviously, if you're doing it uh, all yourself, you've got to have this mad balancing act between being a writer, been uh, between being an artist. You know, which is the uh, you know art for art's sake. You know uh, the kind of what's a nice the kind of selfish side of art i do this for me versus the the kind of the the role of a designer you know where i've I've got to make this communicate it's got to be um put together for a purpose it's got to be tactile it's got to be pleasant on the eye it's got to be uh, legible it's got to make sense it's you know all of those things and having that that kind of intense balance i I find very very fulfilling and the job is, is different depending on which stage you're in you've got very intense periods of um, like cognition where you've got to think very carefully about what you put on the page and, you know, little details like body language or, you know, background details or symbolism, uh, you know, that, that there's in, in the last book, that there's, there's lots of sort of recurring patterns and themes within the, the artwork that I don't think you pick up first time round um, because I've tried to make them subtle. So trying to engineer in a level of, um, like subtlety and almost subliminal messaging into it as well. You know, I really, really, you know, find that uh, incredibly challenging and, and also inc- incredibly rewarding as well. Um, and, you know, trying to put together a nice looking package, you know, the design elements, um, you know, the tactility of print and getting something that's nice, you know, th- th- there's lots of things to be, um, to be very excited about that you can find very re- rewarding in, in drawing comics, I think. You come across as the a really super chilled, relaxed, happy go lucky chap. Yeah, pretty much. The stories that you write, they're very dark, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> they are, yeah, they're um, they're pretty. You know, what, what's the one? Is it called Carry Me? The mm. that made me cry. You bastard. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I I get that a lot. The um. They're, they're really moving. Um, Thank you. And uh, is it the end? I bought the end from you actually um, a few years ago. Is it the, ah, yeah. the end? Yes. Yeah. There was it had a, a gold, sort of gold, gold cover. digital cover. And yeah, is it digital or did you fall that? That was all screen printed. Techie. Screen printed. Yeah. Nice. That, there's a story behind that one. I, um, you know, screen printed all the covers and printed all the interiors. And this is uh, Elcaf in 2000. And, uh, you know, I think LCAF was, I was traveling down on the Saturday morning and this was Thursday night and I stayed up all night, you know, folding, stapling, you know, it was two in the morning and I've printed a hundred of these things. Brilliant. And, you know, got the last one and just flicked back through it and realized I've got the first two pages out of sequence. And so I had to sort of sweep them all straight into the recycling and then go back the next day and reprint everything. Absolutely oh, everything. Dear. It was oh. heartbreaking. Um, but then I was like, well, I'm got to do it now <laughs> so, yeah. so the, the, the oh. question was about um 
you know, the, the darkness uh, in, in the comics. I, I think I, it, it's, it's, you know, the, where, where the stories kind of originate usually is a, a thing that occupies me at the time. So to carry me was, was written kind of not long after my, my daughter was born. And we were, you know, my mother and father-in-law live sort of at the back of where we lived at the time. So you'd have to walk across some fields to get there. And it was a really hot, sunny day. And, uh, you know, my wife took our son in the car and I said, well, I'll, I'll walk with Elsa. I'll, we'll walk across the field and see you there. You know, it's a half hour walk. And it was really hot. And the the, 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 the field was getting overgrown. And I'm like, having to hold my daughter like above my head because there's stinging nettles and thorns everywhere. And so I'm getting torn to shreds and I'm carrying this, you know, 18 month old, like high above my head and my arms are getting tired. And I'm like, oh, this is like a metaphor, isn't it? And I was like, oh, it's like a metaphor, isn't it? And then I heard this dog barking, you know, because it's where people walk dogs. I was like, wouldn't it be awful now if we got savaged by a dog? You know, that, that sort of little mad, um, you know, uh, narrative that you, <laughs> narration that you, you, you give you, I assume everyone gives themselves. Yeah. And it, so, you know, I got, I got home and I wrote down this, this very sort of simple premise, you know, a guy carrying, uh, you know, daughter across a field. Uh, it's a metaphor. Uh, and when I had kids, the the thing that sort of struck me and the thing that no one really prepared me for was, oh, you're going to think about death a lot. You know, you're going to be presented with this brand new pristine life and you're going to be confronted with your own mortality. Like you're going to know for certain that you're going to end up dead. Like the end of your life, you're definitely going to end. All of us are going to definitely end up dead. And, uh, you know, it had quite a um, profound effect on me thinking like, oh, Christ, I am going to die. That's right. <laughs> Oh yeah, so I've been I've been ignoring that, and so I also uh, kind of around the same time uh, I was taken into hospital with a uh, suspected brain hemorrhage. Um, uh, it turned out to be a virus, and it was you know pretty awful. But uh, for a week in hospital, it was you know either Mister Berry, you're going to die or have brain surgery, and so I was like, oh god. So you know, with two small kids at the time, I was I was quite. Um, kind of aware of, of mortality. And so, you know, the, the story, you know, the, the idea of the, you know, the, the, this, this father and daughter um, being chased by this dog and, you know, aging through life and, you know, being a metaphor, it, it was just, it came out very quickly and it, it, it all um, sort of fell into place quite neatly in my head before I started drawing it. So it, it's a book that I didn't uh, plan at all. I wrote this synopsis and then I just drew it straight into my sketchbook. You know, I didn't pencil anything or, uh, you know, I sort of stared intently at the page and said, this is what it will look like. And then, then drew it. And I was like, mm, close enough. Um, that was, that was basically the, uh, um, the, the, where, where that story came from and the, the end as well, you know, is a similar kind of time period. Um, it, it, it's those, it's, it's entertaining those odd thoughts that arrive at, you know, two in the morning when you've woken up and can't get back to sleep. Um, you know, because even the, some of the silly books I've done, you know, some of the, the shorter funny things and, and Dick Rivets as well. You know, it's it, it's a it's just the idea that kind of captivates me at that time. And I think, oh, that'll be good or oh, that'll be funny or that'll be sad or, you know, because the, the aim with Carry Me wasn't to make people cry, even though, you know, I, I, I do get a lot of people saying I read it on the train and you remember cry in front of people. <laughs> and, it, you know, it, it wasn't the the aim but it was it was the idea of i i can't be the only person that thinks this way you know i'm i'm, I'm pretty certain that 
this has to be something that's universal this idea of you know the, your legacy and uh, the people around you that you love and that love you and I was like there's got to be something universal in that you know and it's not that I was I am 100% convinced that this will make people cry on the bus or whatever it, it was that I think this might be a fun comic to draw uh, and that, that's again it's, it's the, the criteria for, for a lot of what I do is this going to be interesting am I going to be compelled by this um, you know so believe it or not Dick Rivets compels me at the moment uh, <laughs> I want to know more about Dick Rivets and why he keeps getting mooned you know it's, it's a weird little Sudoku puzzle that I've got to try and figure out and the, the book I'm working on with David Gaffney at the moment you know it's similarly trying to figure out all of that sort of symbolism uh, you know the, the way that the style might you know change and adapt uh, based on where in the story we are and which characters we're focusing on it's incredibly rewarding for me so that that's uh that's it so there's no sort of deep dark danbury um darkness in there anywhere i i feel like it's just the normal level of um glum that everyone faces i hope yeah and and and, and thank you for telling the story because um uh, i think it's a beautiful thing yeah thank you there you go have you got any more questions rob I've probably got a, a, a million, really. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes already. <laughs> this is a two-parter. Yeah. No, I think it's been fascinating listening to you talk about kind of what, not just kind of about, you know, where you've touched on your process and stuff, but really about the the projects that you work on. And it's hmm. it's kind of about the things that grab you and the things that enthuse you and you know, and you're working on the things that you love. And I, yeah. think just, I think that's just a fantastic lesson. And I think it's one of those things that it's really easy to lose sight of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I came out of you know, hospital with this brain hemorrhage, the, the, the overwhelming uh, kind of sensation I had for, you know, what I should do with the rest of my life, because, you know, I'd spent a couple of days in bed thinking, oh, this is it. Oh, God. And so, you know, the, the overwhelming thing is, you know, do the things that you love with the people you love that's about as simple as it gets i mean because everything else is kind of irrelevant really you know you can get bogged down in like mortgage payments and you know thinking about going swimming for the sake of it or you know whatever it is like you know all the ordinary mundane stuff and i feel like every time i get um presented with this, this sort of crossroads you know do you do this or do you do this like are you doing the things that you love with the people you love yes or no no well i'm not doing that then cool sorted it's been quite a nice way of trying to make decisions about what i do and why i do them yeah i think that's spot on hmm. that's a, a nice way to end that bit i'm gonna do that typical british middle class thing and um we've been talking far too seriously for a while so i'm going to be really really silly hmm. uh i'm going to ask you some questions um and you have a rapid quick fire okay uh pen or pencil pencil but 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 depends on the pen <laughs> dan dare or desperate dan desperate dan uh, quentin blake or quentin crisp quentin blake crisp or quaver quaver <laughs> brilliant thanks and um uh and three comics that you'd recommend to people who've never read comics before who've never read comics before yeah oh gee, can you I must ask? get asked this all the time surely by your students uh, and stuff uh, no? uh, yeah and I, I can't i can't answer that question it's too difficult because okay. it depends yeah. on the person yeah um there, there's there's a whole i mean there's the 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 
the classics, you know, the the things, oh, you've got to read Watchmen, you've got to read Persepolis, you've got to read, you know, Ghost World. And everyone's right. Anything that anyone recommends to you, they're right. They're absolutely right. I'll, I'll talk to you about the, the books, excuse me, that I've read most recently. Uh, I've very recently uh, interviewed and read Gumballs by Erin Nations, out now on uh, Top Shelf. Um, and it's it's a really, really fun, interesting read uh, about Erin's uh, transition uh, to being a guy. Um, it's, you know, going through the process of, um, you know, being on testosterone, uh, how co-workers treated Erin, um, you know, the, the, the fact of growing up as one of triplets. Uh, so there's loads of like 80s culture in there because, you know, we're similar ages. And, you know, really lovely guy, really, really cool artwork. It's like really blocky and geometric and weird and I really like it. Um, so, yeah, Gumballs by Aaron Nations is good stuff. Uh, I like that an awful lot. Um, uh, 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 I would recommend uh, anyone read uh, Kevin Heisinger's work. Uh, he does uh, Ganges um, with Fantagraphics, I think, off the top of my head. Really like Kevin Heisinger's work. I, I, you know, whip smart cartoonist. If you like graphic design and you like very, very cleverly designed comics, like Kevin Heisinger uh, is, is all the way up there. Um, and uh, Gillian Tamaki, uh, I really, really like Gillian's work. Uh, it's, it manages to be super expressive. Uh, like all the time you know she changes media rather a lot if you follow her on Instagram she's got this sort of furry lined way of working things at the moment and I can't make that way look good like I've tried and tried I can't do it and she makes it look effortless you know so everything that Julian's done is uh, is really really good as well but then <laughs> any list is defined by its emissions so sure sorry everybody else <laughs> well thank you for making that making that list I shall pick those ones up <laughs> Shall we to pies or shall we do you want to do website of the week, Rob? Or I think uh, my pie is calling me. Yeah. Uh, can I can I throw one plug in? For, for, yes. Yeah, sorry, two plugs in. Uh, for, oh, no, well, yeah, well, sorry. We should say, what, where would we find you on social media? Oh, well, this isn't what, isn't what I was going to plug. But uh, uh, on social media, I'm uh, uh, Things by Dan and, and Instagram, Things by Dan. Uh, that's me and my website, Things by Dan. Uh, and also the podcast that we make it then tell everybody.com. But uh, you, you were talking about websites, uh, and there's there's two that I want to um, plug. Uh, one that I came across fairly recently, and I, I hope everyone's already read it. Uh, but uh, Justin O'Byrne um, has done a series of essays on uh, digital cartography. Um, really, really good stuff. You know, why is Google Maps different from Apple Maps? Things like that. Really, really smart. But he did one especially that I read recently that just captivated me and I can't stop thinking about it about the uh, you know the idea of cartography in the age of autonomous vehicles which sounds dull as dishwater but it's absolutely fascinating if you're at all interested in like human uh, interaction interface design understanding the world and what we represent of the world fascinating absolutely fascinating so uh, yeah uh, there's a link uh, that sounds great thing. Um, and the the other website that I visit daily and have done i think for closing in on 20 years now is kotke.org oh yeah by jason kotke um it's incredible it's it's been uh the most fascinating journey you know through this curated content that's absolutely fascinating each time it's it's smart it's funny it's clever it's 
sometimes sad, sometimes just funny, bonkers, moving. It's it's what the internet used to be back in the two thousands, yeah. and it's wonderful. It's the, it the antidote to uh, you know Twitter. Yeah, 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 and 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 that's one thing I sort of uh, glossed over when you were talking about um, the fact that a, a sensible discourse in, in things people love is being kind of sidelined into smaller and smaller vessels. Yes, um, you're right. Yeah. Do you think that things are going to be moved back to the old-fashioned blog? You know, My where you God, literally would so. install, like, you know, what was the I can't remember oh, Atom or something. A reader, it, yeah onto your web server and then that was it it's it served up static html pages and um, you just talked days. about what you wanted to do i mean that's kind of the essence of web comics isn't it really yeah so they're all powered by uh, wordpress sadly these days <laughs> um yeah that's a fantastic website another one is um is koodle.com that is yes. that kind of curated link yeah for sure of, to just a joyous place to spend half an hour of your lunchtime Absolutely. or whatever so Dan, uh, we should uh, we should say thank you so much for uh, I thought, I thought spending we were the time. Going to eat pies? Yeah, we are. Oh, okay. Um, and we're going to go on to, and, and now now eat your pie. Okay. So you have to taste your pie and uh, give it a score out of ten. The pie I have is a pork pie with black pudding and apple jelly from uh, Marks and Spencers. It's posh. Uh, it's, it's it's the size of my fist, so it's I'm going to have to chop it up. Um, there's a layer of pork uh, underneath a layer of. Um, Black pudding. Uh, give me, give me a chop. Should I try and get the whole slice in my mouth, or should I d- eat it in yeah, increments? Just, no, we we eat the whole pie in one go. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll aim for a slice first. If, if I go okay there, I'll I'll cram the rest in. Um, you, you do you do how you like. How close would you like me to get the microphone when I do this? Uh, I cut it all out and um, oh, and and uh, and replace it with with uh, with lions eating in the wild. <laughs> it's fine. Yes, a man after my own views. <laughs> I mean, you know, as, as pies go, it's pretty good. I like black pudding. I Is like there apples. any jelly, Dan? Let me see. There's a very, very fine, maybe 1.5 millimeter layer of jelly around the outside mm, of the pork, not, not like of it. the black pudding. Mm. Although it might be, might be the apple sauce. I can't tell where that is. Black pudding is going to be quite, oh, it's quite a rich pie, isn't it? It's very rich. A little too rich. Six out of ten. Yeah. Six out of Six. ten. Nice crust. Nice bite. It's good. Seven. I've, 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 I've revised my um, seven and a half. I have got eight. A, uh, eight. <laughs> no, it's seven. The pie gets better and better. <laughs> uh, I've got a um, steak and blue Stilton pie from Ooh, Armstrong's wow. Butchers, which is my go-to butchers for pies. Shot crust pastry, and it's really very delicious. Um, there's not an awful lot of the Stilton about it, though. Oh, say um, it again, but slower. <laughs> but it's um, it was pretty good. I think there's like that slight sort of tang of Stiltoniness to it. But it's a good buy. They're always good, and that's going to get a uh, seven point two. Solid. Yeah. It's, not, it's hardly solid, is it, when he goes into the points? He's rounded us up to two, hasn't every, he? Every week. Stop helping, John. We what, might as well have it out of 100, mightn't we? And then 72 out of 100, that's fair enough. But 7.2 is just percent you're right. Uh, stop it! 
Uh, I've got a Sainsbury's steak and mushroom, uh, steak, mushroom and red wine pastry pie that has been in the freezer since April. When did it come out of the freezer? Oh, uh, uh, it's just come out of the freezer. (laughs) (laughs) It's very hard. Yes. You have broken all my teeth. Uh, It's like a football pie, really. What's a football pie? Something you might munch on the gay meadows. Oh, there's a Shrewsbury reference there. Mm-hmm. Um, football pie is like you know it's in a it's in a metal dish. It's got a, a baked top, but there's not there's nothing underneath. And oh, okay. It's very it's very very dry. There's no uh, essence of meat, red wine, or mushroom. Uh, it seems to be some kind of. Uh, Are you eating the foil? I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very metallic. <laughs> <clears throat> I seem to be having a zinc reaction. <laughs> uh, no, um, oh, no that's, it's, it's awful. It's like the uh, emergency water change I just did in my daughter's aquarium. It's like the bottom of that that I just siphoned out. Uh, so I'm going to give that a three out of ten. Yeah, I'd just like to say thank you so much for um, sparing your time. Um, and it, when you're not whittling or making comics or <laughs> playing rock guitar or uh, bending metal with your bare hands. It happens a lot. Bringing up children. I try. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Dan. Well, thank yeah, you very absolutely. much for having me, you guys. It's, it's, been, uh, it's been a blast. <laughs> thanks. It's been really lovely having you on the show, Dan. So thanks very much for making the time. And thanks for being such an entertaining guest. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you found me entertaining. That uh, does my ego no oh, We good. say that to everyone. Oh, God, it shattered me. <laughs> and you're, you're going to be up at um, Thought Bubble. I'm going to be at Thought you? Bubble, yeah. Uh, Is that I, next month? That's like in, uh, it feels like four days' time. Uh, it's it's not, not far away. Uh, allow me to open up my calendar. I'll tell you exactly when that is. Um, it is the uh, 22nd and 23rd of September. In Leeds, is in it? In Leeds, so. yeah. So it's right in the centre of Leeds. They, uh, they take over uh, the area all around the town hall. Uh, it's a wonderful festival filled with wonderful people. Because mm, we did mention maybe we might go to that, Rob. We did. Yeah, absolutely sure. Well, let's, let's see if we can still wangle that. It's the purest it. joy. <laughs> well, maybe we'll see you there. Let's hope so. <clears throat> yeah. All right, Dan. Thank you Marvelous. so much for your time. And, uh, and enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Bye. Bye.